Welcome to episode number 77 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. Helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies, and the techniques you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your expertise, around your background, around the changes you want to make in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are talking about how to become a freelance writer as an academic. To do that, we have on the call Courtney Danielle from Academia to Affluence and from CourtneyDanielle.com. That's Courtney, D-A-N-Y-E-L.com. Courtney, thank you for coming on the Grab Blogger podcast today. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. We're really excited to have Courtney on. Um, she has a background of a bachelor and master's in evolutionary anthropology. She's recommended by previous podcast guests. When I went to check out her website, Academia to Affluence, I immediately jumped on her email list and she's been sharing now for a couple of weeks tips on freelance writing, proposal templates, how much it charges a freelance writer. And I know this is a, a route that a lot of listeners to the podcast, a lot of academics, because we tend to enjoy writing enough to at least put it into our lives during our academic career. Um, I know it's a service business that a lot of academics tend to do in the space of online business. So we want to get her on to talk about that. So in this episode, we're going to talk through her background, what she does at Academia to Affluence and CourtneyDaniel.com, um, how she built up her freelance writing business, what others should be considering if they want to go down this road, if they want to become a, a freelance writer. Courtney does have a mini course on this, how to turn your liberal arts degree into endless freelance income. Um, so I'd encourage you to check that out. But to be honest, her newsletter is really good. Um, I've been on it for, like I said, a couple of weeks now, and I've really been enjoying it. We'll have transcripts of this episode at grablar.com slash 77. If uh, you want to look back at something, it's easiest to go download those, control F, and uh, find that piece that you want. And other than that, we look forward to getting to the interview. So, Courtney, maybe a good place to jump in is just what do you do at Academia to Affluence and maybe even CourtneyDanielle.com, and who do you help there? Uh, yeah, so CourtneyDanielle.com was the first website I had. That is actually my freelance writer business website that I built seven years ago when I first started freelance writing. Um, I ended up leaving academia to jump into freelance writing. So I created that website basically just to market myself. So if you ever want to look at an example of what a good, I think it's good, freelancer website looks. I think it's good as well. consolation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I worked hard on it. If you need an example of what a good freelancer website looks at, looks like, you should you should definitely check that out. So that's my freelance writer website. And then my other website, which I launched last year, is Academia to Affluence. And that is a website where I publish information and help other people who are in academia or with an academic background get into the freelance world. And so, um, as Chris mentioned, I do have a mini course and uh, that um, helps people understand the different freelance niches out there and how you can get into and like use your existing skills to apply to different freelance niches. And then I have another course that walks you through basically everything you need to know to launch a freelance business. And it doesn't even have to be freelance writing. There, there are other, you know, other, lots of other things that academics are qualified to do in the freelance world. And um, the reason I launched this site is because over the past seven years, I have gotten email after email after email from people I know from my old grad student cohort people I know from different universities, former colleagues who are asking me how they can do what I do and how they can get into freelancing. So the content that I publish on there is I created it for those people basically. And it's for, you know, it's for grad students who need to earn extra income. 
it's for somebody who has finished their PhD and they're between jobs. It's for people who are in academia and are, are thinking they might want to leave. And it's even for people who are thinking about retirement. I had, a, I had one couple email me. They were tenured professors and um, they wanted to look into doing freelancing to help fund their retirement. So it's basically for all those people who have an academic background and I want to do some freelancing basically for one reason or another. I love it. And you mentioned a key point there because you've been doing this for a while, seven years now, and because you share so generously online what you're doing, you've been getting people emailing and saying, you know, how do I do what you do? I'd like to dive in some of your background because I think the listeners would find that um, interesting. I know I sure have. So yeah, maybe just starting at your academic background, what made you, you know, want to get into freelance writing and then we'll sort of talk about how your business grew from there. Yeah. So as Chris mentioned at the beginning, my background is in anthropology and I finished my bachelor's and my MA in that. And I had, I was all signed up to start my PhD also, but I was at that point, I was pretty burnt out. I was only 24 at the time. And I had just like flown through school without a break. And I decided that I wanted to do something else. I needed to do something else and I needed to take a break. And the one thing that I always loved about anthropology, that what I loved the most about that discipline was being able to do field work. And so most of my field work was in, Af- in Africa, in the Central African Republic and, and in Ethiopia. And so that summer I went to Ethiopia for field work and I decided to drop out of my PhD program and I decided that I wanted to stay in Ethiopia. And I needed to find a way where I could make money and stay in Ethiopia and live there. And so... I talked to my mom about it and she said, well, why don't you do freelance writing? Cause you could do that from anywhere. And so that's what I did. And I moved to Ethiopia and I have been in Ethiopia ever since. And that's where I am right now. Yeah. You decided to take a, a, a break from your PhD, you called it <laughs> and you never came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. I, would this be around 2012, 2013 kind of timeline? 2000. Yeah. I finished my PhD, uh, my PhD, my master's. I feel like I finished my PhD. It was so much work. I finished my master's in 2014, I think. That's when they gave me the diploma, yeah. Yeah, so 2014 then, you started with the, you know, going into the PhD track. You're pretty burnt out by this time, which most of us are, and, and then even more burnout when they, they maybe get to the end of the PhD process. <laughs> yeah. You went to Ethiopia as part of your anthropology work inside the freelance writing was a good way to basically make make money to be able to stay there. And what did you do when you got started on the freelance writing that somebody else is thinking maybe they're in another country or maybe they're even, you know, still in Canada or US if that's where they're based out of. But where would they go about getting started then if they want to kind of dive into freelance writing? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of asked a little bit of two different questions because you asked how I got started and then you asked how I would recommend other people get started. Well, let's do how you got started and come back to the recommending. Yeah, my answer is different for those two questions, you know? Sure. Because the the way I got started is I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And so I kind of had to learn the hard way. And so when I first got started, I didn't know where to get clients. I didn't know what I was qualified to write and who I was qualified to write for and what kind of topics I could be qualified to write about. And so when I first started, I was working on like freelance jobs sites, which, which is fine. But there's this one called Fiverr. I don't know if you know, I've heard of it, where you can like pay people $5 to like do like small little tasks. 
And so I was on Fiverr and I was writing press releases for people. That's like the very first thing that I did. And the cool thing was, is like, you know, you can start earning money on Fiverr in a day. So, and that's what I needed to do. So that's what I did. And so I started out writing press releases, but then eventually I started applying for different types of gigs and different places. Definitely not stuff that, you know, only pays $5 and stuff that pays more money than that. Then I actually started writing in marketing topics. I just, something I kind of fell into. I have no background in marketing. I have never taken a marketing class in my life. And uh, I was not paid very well. And I actually thought to myself that that's fine. I shouldn't be paid very well because I don't know anything about marketing. And I'm just, you know, kind of making this up as I go along, right? And I did that for almost a year. And then one, one day I was researching an article I was writing for somebody on a marketing topic. And I, was, I went to Google and I was doing some research and I found this article published in Forbes. And I clicked on it and I started reading it. And then I recognized the writing and I realized that it was my writing. I had written it. And it was something that I had ghostwritten for somebody else. Like I write it and they publish it under their name kind of thing. And um, I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is... Like I wrote that and it's published in Forbes and I know nothing about marketing, remember? And so then I started poking around more and I found my writing like all over like the top business blogs and magazines all over the internet. And it had been there for a while and I had no idea. So um, at that time I was writing for an agency and they weren't paying me very good money. And once I realized that, you know, my writing was being published on these top publications, I quit that job. And I raised my pay rates. I tripled my pay rates of how much I charge people. And then I started getting my own clients. And um, that's when I started to really make good money as a freelancer. Yeah. And I, I kind of circled to hear who am I to with a question mark? Like, who am I to charge more rates because of my background's not in marketing? But the, the real strength I think you must have and that a lot of academics would have is the ability to research a topic to synthesize that information. Exactly. And to put it out into a, digestible relatable piece of material mm -hmm. which is the whole that's well i'll let you define what freelance writing is but <laughs> that would definitely be a part of it and it's a really cool story to see that you were you know looking around online you saw your own material there I, I guess the thing that i want the listeners to take from that is if you have this thought of who am i to you know hopefully you have your own forbes moment but maybe even if you're listening to this you can you can start to realize that hey maybe i i am qualified and able to do this, um, which I'm sure is in your in your mini course and in the stuff that you're sharing at uh, Academic Affluence as well. Yeah, I mean that's what the message. The if you can learn anything from me, or if you go to my website, or even if you only listen to this podcast that I'm on, like if you can learn anything from my experiences, don't make the same mistakes that I did because I undersold myself for at least a year and a half. You know, imposter cyst syndrome can follow you out outside of academia, so it turns out. And um, so if you can learn anything, just charge, charge what you're worth from day one, day, day one. And if people don't want to pay you that, then go find somebody else who will pay you that because they will, people will pay you. And price is your first filter. If you, if there's people that don't want to pay you at the price, then you probably don't want them as clients anyway. <laughs> so it kind of lops off the bottom half of the, the group. And I hear this a lot when I, cause I recommend people go, just like you said, I recommend people going Upwork if they're just getting started and go find a job and work it. And the thing comes back as well, you know, there's going to be a global economy there. There's going to be a range of prices and we're going to get undercut. And that's okay because you didn't want that client to begin with. But if you're not comfortable charging more, then you can get started there and start making money right away. 
Exactly. And Upwork is actually really cool because it is, it is easy to find clients there. And like when you search for jobs, there's filters that you can use. Right. And one of the filters is price. You know, you don't want to see the jobs from people that are only going to pay you $1 sign or $2 signs. You want to see the ones that are going to pay you three or $4 signs. Right. And, um, you can filter those out so that you only look at the jobs where the people, you know, have money and they're willing to hire somebody with more skill and pay them more money. So you don't even have to look at those low paying jobs because it's true. 90% of the jobs on those job sites are, they'll pay you a pittance. Yeah. Look for the three and $4 sign jobs. Maybe even the five, if you get, I don't know if they have a $5 sign option, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But I think maybe you got to break it, break it down. <laughs> no, I, so, but that's the critical part. I, as a research tool, I love Upwork because sometimes I've had coaching clients where I've told that too. And I it's, don't even go find work. Just go see what jobs people are paying a hundred dollars an hour for and think, could I do that job? And if you can then go set up your shop and go ask some people, but it just, it lets people know that there's a market out there for different price points. There's a market for different type of materials. I have a um, someone who's a family friend who was a principal for 30 years and ended up going on Upwork to write, getting jobs, writing out kind of guidelines for principals for schools around the world, getting paid hundreds of dollars an hour. So it's yeah, it's a really good research tool. In terms of your business progress, so we talked a bit about how you get started. I want to get into how others can get started and what your recommendations are from the things you've learned, but maybe are there any sort of milestones that you want to share along the journey to, to getting to where you are today with academia to affluence and, uh, and Courtney Danielle.com. Yeah. So I think the big milestone is the one I already actually already told you, which is finally realizing that even if I'm writing about a topic that is not, you know, I don't have a degree in and I don't have a background in, uh, like you said, I have the research skills. I have the writing skills to, I can write about anything. Like somebody could come to me and say, I want you to write about, um, I don't know, dog breeds or drop shipping or just something crazy. I, I always say yes, because I can, and you can do that too. And so that was a big milestone for me was to um, realize that I could write about anything I, I wanted to, and I could write well, and I deserve to be paid well for it. So that was the big milestone for me, the first one. And since then, it's basically just been a ramp up where I just, you know, I get, I raise my rates every year and, you know, I lose clients every year because of it, because there's somebody in my current client base that can't afford, you know, when I raise my rates. So they, I let them drop off and then I find new ones. And that's how you ramp up your freelance businesses. You say goodbye to the people who can't afford you anymore. And for a while there, I used to, you know, if a client's like, yeah, I really can't afford that. You think you can lower it down? I used to give people discounts, but now I don't. So that was another big milestone is stop giving people discounts. That's how, that's how you ramp up your business and earn more year after year after year. I love that. That's a really good tip because I've, I've seen that certainly where people want to increase their rates, but then kind of can't because their old clients sort of drag them back down like uh, crabs in the bucket. Just let that go. That's a That's a really powerful tip. I like that. So we've talked about some of the challenges you've seen then, you know, where to get clients, who to work with, realizing your own value and worth, raising your rates every year, which was a really cool tip. I guess if you had to, if we had to dial it back from your story, where should someone that, the, the second question I asked now, you know, if someone's just getting started freelance writing today, what are some of the first things they should be doing that you had to learn the hard way? <laughs> yeah. So the very first thing you need is your website, which I know Chris talks about a lot also on grad blogger, how important it is to have that. So that's basically 
you're not a professional writer until you have a professional spot on the internet, you know, like the, the place that you call home and where you explain your value to others. And, you know, when I first started, I was lucky. Um, I got help building a website from my parents who have been doing business on the internet since 1999. They helped me build a website from day one. And I was able to use that it really impresses people, especially on places like Upwork and stuff where you apply for jobs. And I just be like, Hey, just check out my website and all the information you need to know about me is there. And that impresses people. So you definitely need to build a website first and that's easy to do. Um, you can do it in a day. And then the next thing you need to have are portfolio clips, obviously. So if you're an academic, you probably already have examples of your writing out there that you can show people. And if you don't, that's fine. You can create some also, but that's really important. And then once you have those two things, I think you're ready to start on the job sites like Upwork. Another one you could check out is CollabTree, which is a new one. I don't know if you've heard, you know about that one, Chris. I haven't. I don't know. Yeah, CollabTree, K-O-L-A-B tree. CollabTree is actually specifically for like academics and researchers who are looking for other academics and researchers to help them with their research projects. And... You can get hired on there to do academic writing, academic editing, data analysis, literature review, and a bunch of other stuff that you're already qualified to do. So you could definitely check out CollabTree also. Love it. So I have, you know, start, build a website, have your plot of land, if you will, on the online space, start compiling your portfolio clips, find the right communities. Uh, the CollabTree is a really great one. It sounds like for freelance writing, but also for other activities that an academic might be able to provide as a service to to kind of start their business up. You you mentioned some of the challenges on where to find and get clients. Are you are you mainly only getting your clients from these sort of sites or what other avenues do you bring people into your your world for your writing work? Yeah. So I like I said, when I we're when you're getting started, I do recommend job sites because it's just so easy to get up and running and find clients with job sites. But in the long run, I recommend not using job sites at all. Once you once you uh, have a few clients and you know you're starting to get busy, that's when you need to get off the job sites sites and start pitching your own clients. And um, that depends depends on what writing niche you're in, how how, how you're going to find the people to pitch and how uh, how you're going to pitch them. But I do cold emailing. That's what I do. And you know all all the clients that I've had over the years that you know earned me tens of thousands of dollars are people that I've cold pitched. You know, you just get, you can just demand higher rates when you cold pitch people, as opposed to um, applying for a job on a job site where you're competing with a bunch of other applicants who are willing to charge less money than you, you know? So that's what I recommend. It makes sense. And I mean, I'm assuming, well, maybe we'll talk about that a bit. I was going to say maybe the cold pitch is a whole separate episode or even, you know, something that's in your, your mini course, but do you have a couple tips on where to start there? Like, do you, generate a like how do you generate your list of um, leads do you create a template then you email that out and, and a follow-up just somebody's thinking you know what does that even look like can you give some ideas there yeah so I could give you like a picture of what I do like I said I write in marketing but you know your niche could be any anything else even but I write in marketing so what I do is I have these Google alerts set up for like different keywords and I'm looking, I want to find clients that have money to pay me well, you know? And so my Google alerts are set up for things like digital marketing, um, like 
angel funding and like digital marketing um, expansion, like business expansion and digital marketing acquisition, like they acquired other companies. So I'm looking for companies that have gotten like funding recently or have uh, they're acquiring other companies, basically indicators that show that they have money. And um, then I go every week, I go through my Google alerts and I click the press releases and I check out the websites uh, for the businesses that they're discussing. And I see if they have a blog and I see if they have other like written resources, like, you know, case studies and reports and stuff. And if they have no blog or if their blog hasn't been updated in a while, which is most, most of the time that's the case, then I email their CEO and I say, Hey, your blog's not updated. Do you need a freelance writer? That's what I do. I love that. So yeah, I like the research portion of it, kind of figuring out the, the, people that have the, the clients with money, or if you read any little copywriting books, they'll call them players with money for, for some reason. Um, but finding that group that has actual expendable income, like that just got funding or that are just looking to ramp up their website that maybe are underserviced, um, they don't have good content, uh, is a great way. And we, I get pitched with the safety science from my industrial safety website. I'd say I get a, a pitch email once a week from writers. And I usually, I usually actually do read them. I, I sometimes I'll respond enough just to say, Hey, you know, we're, we got a team and we're kind of full. Um, but I do usually click through because I like to see their marketing and their, their marketing ranges from really bad to, to really good. Sometimes I'll send an email back and say, Hey, this is, you know, this was a good, this was a good lead. I think you're going to have a good outreach campaign. I think you're going to have good success with it, but you know, it's not for us at the moment, but it's interesting to see that. And I think a lot of people would be nervous to email the CEO, but that's the the best way to get cut through. And if they are truly, if you research, right, so they have the money, they want to spend and they're underserviced and that they don't have the right content on their site, they're probably already thinking, hey, I wish somebody would help me with this. That email comes in and says, hey, I'm I'm your person. You know, here's my portfolio of stuff I've done exactly like you. Then, you know, that could be a really great time to bring them on as a client. Yeah, I, I do. I prefer to reach out to the CEO instead of like reaching out to the content manager or somebody lower down. I feel like I actually get a higher response rate from them. And then there's also the factor of like the CEO doesn't always know what's going on, right? And so the CEO reads your email and is like, wait, our blog isn't updated? What? And so then they, they email the, the content manager and say, hey, all right, well, you got to get our blog updated. Hire this freelancer. And then it works like that. I agree. I used to do that with our advertising clients because if you deal with the marketing department, then they got to hound the CEO or whoever to sign off. And it takes you know a month or two to, to get that all sort of circled. But uh, the CEO might just take their credit card out and pay right away. <laughs> so it went from a turnaround of an hour to, yeah, this is great. Here I paid and, and contact the marketing team and they'll they'll figure things out to the marketing team having to ask permission and, and, you know, taking several weeks to, to get the advertising clients lined up. Another great tip there. So we've talked a bit, I will have links to the how to turn your liberal arts degree into endless freelance income, that mini course there in the show notes at grabblogger.com slash 77. I think you mentioned a second course in the intro, but I don't know if I had that. Could you, you talk about that if there is a second course there? Yeah, so I actually have the mini course, that's the email course, which is how to apply your existing skills to a freelance niche. So it basically walks you through basically how to choose the best freelance niche for the skills that you already have. So that one's free. And if you just go to my main website, academia.affluence.com, you'll find it. It's right there on the sidebar. And then the other course Chris already mentioned also 
you, you provide a link to that. That full course is, it includes what the mini course has, and then it goes on, shows you how to build your website, shows you how to research your niche on, on Upwork, actually, like you mentioned, and to, to figure out how much you're going to charge, what kind of services you're going to offer and stuff like that. And it also goes through how to pitch your first clients and basically everything you need to go to basically start your, your freelance business. Okay. That's perfect. I want to clarify. I'm doing, yeah, I'm in the mini course right now, I think, because I'm getting the emails that tell me how to be a, a freelance writer, which <laughs> obviously that's not my, my, uh, my career direction at the moment, but I have found them very helpful because they have a lot of this information of how to do the research, how to set your prices, how to find clients and for dust safety science and for grab blogger, I'm always trying to pull in what is, what are the best tactics from adjacent industries or even totally different industries and how can I apply them today? I mentioned the advertising, you know, work I was doing with my industrial safety blog that really came from local meetups here with the uh, East coast moms media group, which was like mommy bloggers and travel bloggers. I was like, okay, well, how do I take the advertising models that they're doing and do it in industrial safety? turns out things that are working in other industries will work in your industry if you translate them through. So that's why I try to learn as much I can, even about other topics like freelance writing and getting on your, your mini course and that. So yeah, we kind of talked through getting started, finding clients, maybe to sort of turn this around to um, coming into the end of the interview. What's your process like for actually delivering? So, you know, doing research, writing the content, packaging it up and, I think we'll cover two things. We'll cover that and then maybe we'll cover some client expectation pieces. So how do you stop somebody from wanting to do 7,000 reviews and, and all that? But let's talk about how you actually write the material first. Yeah. You know, I do research the same way I have. I did research in, in grad school. And it's actually, the nice thing is, is like, it's actually much more toned down when you're writing for the web uh, than writing for, you know, academic publications and journals and stuff like that. And so, yeah, you might actually find like you have, you have a bit of a break and like, you don't have to give a reference for every single little thing that you write. And so that was something I had to learn is like, you don't have to painstakingly research every single topic and you can just, you know, read a few, depending on the topic that you're writing about, read a few articles and then create your own piece. And I usually, when I, I usually, I used to charge by the hour sometimes, but now I pretty much charge per word. And that works out really well for me because the more I write about a certain topic, the faster I am at writing it, right? And so like, for example, if I'm charging somebody $400 for a blog post and it takes me less than two hours to research and write it, how much am I earning per hour? $200 an hour. So that's... that's what you need. <laughs> that's what you need to be doing. And that's the thing you, you need to take advantage of your research and writing skills that you already have. And the best way to take advantage of that is by charging per word and letting your clients think it takes you five hours and really it takes you two. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good, a good tip. And there's a, a term that I, I've uh, come across quite a bit online, which is your effective hourly rate. So how much you earn minus your expenses divided by the number of hours you work. Um, so if you're improving your ability to write the material and you're charging on a project basis, you can keep upping your effective hourly rate. And if you look into some folks, now I, I obviously am less on the services side, but if you look at some people that are in the product side and they do that calculation, 
and they're working 60 hour weeks, they may realize that they're only making nine bucks an hour or something um, and that they would be better off working on their business model a bit, tweaking that or going and getting a, a job at McDonald's, which you might pay better. Um, but it's a critical number to be keeping your eye on. I think you with increasing your price every year, I'm sure your effective hourly rate has gone up year over year over year and you're seeing a much you know better outcome for your effort. Yeah, it has. And that's the thing is like, if you charge your, your clients an hourly rate and yeah, you say, Hey, my hourly rate is $120 an hour. And they're like, what are you a lawyer? Like, why, why are you charging that much money? But if you put it in a, as a per project or a per word thing, then they don't think of it that way. And you know, they're happy to pay it. And uh, you made a good point there about like comparing, you know, what the job, whatever job you're doing right now and how much hours you have to put into it. I can't imagine like when I was in grad school, like the hours I put into what I was doing for my research assistantship, like it pro- I was probably making $9 an hour less. Oh yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Okay. So the last thing I want to touch on here that I've made a note on was this client expectation piece. Actually, even bef- before we get into that, so when you're, when you're charging on a project basis, are they paying up front for the project or are they still paying at the, the end um, for your writing projects? For me, it depends on the client. Any new client, yeah, any new client I have, I make them pay 25% up front. Like, I don't trust anybody, you know? That's what I was going to mention is if you move to a project-based model, it's much easier to start to shift that revenue up front so you're not in a negative cash flow situation where you got to start the work but you have no money to pay for your expenses. Right. And as you move to a project, I learned, I actually finished up uh, Built the Cell by John Orillo last week. And he talks about this a lot in that book of how if you switch from a service-based to a product-based business, you can also get to the point where people just expect to pay for, for products like my five-step system to get you a paper. They'll pay for that upfront or even partially upfront. And it's a lot nicer on your cash flow than trying to run a business where you got to finish all your work before somebody pays you. So in terms of client expectations, then, you know, how do you sort of manage that? And maybe what's been some, some, you know, nightmare scenarios that you had, if you've had any, and uh, how should others look at doing that? Yeah. So I'm trying to think back to my nightmares. I I like to, I like to block them out. (laughs) Well, don't let me bring up any past drama. That's going (laughs) to, you know, there's this thing in freelance writing and freelancing in general called scope creep, where the client asks you to do something and you quote them a price for the thing that they ask you to do. And then next week they follow up with three other emails saying, Hey, Oh, can you also do this? And can you also do that? And can you also do this other thing? Oh, and uh, the price is going to remain exactly the same. So that's called scope creep and you want to avoid that. So the way that you avoid that is by creating a contract. First, I usually create a proposal which if you need an example of what a proposal looks like, I have one on my website, on my blog. And, um, and then they agree to the proposal and then you create a contract, which basically includes all the information the proposal does and everybody signs it and it's all legal and good. But basically in the contract and in the proposal, you outline exactly what you're going to be writing for them, the exact timeline in which you're going to be delivering it, and expectations for when they will pay you and how they will pay you. So that everybody's on the same page. I suppose that my horror story comes from, I, I've had scope creep before where I'm, I've had to follow up and be like, yeah, I can do more work for you, but I got to charge you more money. And I've also had people not pay me for two and a half months. So that, that, that's the real horror story. So you need to have that all in writing. 
Very cool. Well, this has been sort of a, I would call it the, the mini masterclass for the mini course of the, the, uh, you know, the bigger course that you run on how to become a freelance writer. So last question, if I'm not, if I don't have a liberal arts degree, but another degree, you know, is, is there still stuff in that course that would be helpful for someone and coming from other, other areas? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I designed it for liberal arts because that's where my background is. And I know a lot of people with a lot of people have liberal arts degrees, but even if somebody with a STEM degree can, can get a lot out of the course also, um, even if you don't want to be a freelance writer, the course talks about a bunch of different areas, including, um, being like a freelance data analyst and being a consultant, which a lot of people in a lot of other niches or a lot of other, with a lot of other academic backgrounds are qualified for. And so, yes, if you, you could follow any of those paths within the course and all the material would remain relevant to you, all of it, hundred percent. Oh, I love it. So if somebody wants to learn more about you and your work from two avenues, so they want to become a freelance writer or the other one, I guess, is if they are looking for freelance writing, where are the, the places they should go to to learn more about you and your work? So if you want to take a look at my the freelance writing work that I do, then you should definitely go to CourtneyDanielle.com. I have my online portfolio there so you can see like examples of stuff I've written for other people. I also have my services on there so you can see how to break down your freelance writing services. Yeah, so that's definitely the place to check out if you want to learn more about freelance writing. And then also... At Academia de Affluence, there's a lot. I have a blog there that I try to keep up, keep on top of, and that includes a lot of uh, advice about um, how to get how to get into freelance writing and how to, especially especially with people from an academic background. So those are the two places. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on today to to share your knowledge. I know you're over there on the the other side of the world, so I'm happy that our internet connection um, held out for us. That's uh, awesome, and I look forward to the chance of. Uh, you know, getting you back on the podcast in the future and to continue to see your business grow in, in freelance writing and at uh, Academia to Affluence. Well, thank you, Chris. It was nice to to meet you and come on your podcast. And uh, I'm definitely going to be following your work also. Thanks, Courtney. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Courtney Danielle from Academia to Affluence and CourtneyDanielle.com. That's D-A-N-Y-E-L.com. And we're talking about how to become a freelance writer as an academic. We talked about Courtney's background, doing her bachelor's degree and master's degree in anthropology, starting into a PhD program and realizing that it just wasn't you know, right for her at that time for her life and, and just coming off the back end of doing the master's and feeling that kind of level of burnout. Um, she ended up doing some work in Ethiopia and decided to, I guess we called it taking a break of her PhD, but it's been quite a long break now because she hasn't came back. <laughs> so she built up her freelance income. She built up her freelance business as a freelance writer through that background. And we shared some of her you know, early days building up her business. We shared some of her lessons learned, um, some of the challenges she went through, and then really dived into you know how you could do this too and how you can, you can actually learn from what she's done. So we talked about this sort of imposter syndrome, this fear of who am I to dot, 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 fill in the blank. We all have those things that fit in there. Um, in terms of freelance writing, you know, who am I to charge a larger rate for somewhere that's not my area of expertise? And it turns out that from Courtney's story, she was maybe had that belief. She was writing these really great articles, ghostwriting them, and then they were turning around and popping on, you know, some of the largest websites in the world at the moment. And that really gave her the spark to say, hey, you know, I, I can do this and I do have this skill set. And she was able to grow her business from there. We talked a lot about how you can do similar things as well. 
we discussed research tools, which I think is really important. If you're not sure about, you know, what's going on in your niche or the niche you want to get into, your area, what kind of rates could be charging, what's possible, you can go to sites like Upwork, or she mentioned a good one as well, CollabTree, and find out, you know, what's going on in that space. What are people charging? What kind of projects there are? And maybe just ignore the, I think we call it the, the $2 signs and less <laughs> projects. So if it's got 3 or $4 signs, look at it and see what that looks like and see if you can do that too. We talked around Courtney's mini course at Academia to Affluence, which I've been in for the last couple of weeks now, and also her um, larger course, How to Turn Your Liberal Arts Degree into Endless Freelance Income. That's really soup to nuts, getting you everything you need to do and know to uh, to be able to start as a freelance writer, as an academic, for people with liberal arts degrees and, and even people that don't have liberal arts degrees as well. So it's a really interesting interview for me. This obviously is not my background, but we do... We do do a lot of writing at industrial safety. In industrial safety, I do safety science. I think I mentioned this podcast before. We do 250 to 300 blog posts a year. I've hired up to 10 freelance writers from Upwork, and we have one full-time on our team now. It's been with us for several years, and I get pitched quite often for freelance writers as well. So I have a lot of experience on the hiring side. I have also written a ton myself um, for the blog content and my, my PhD degree and all that. But it's a skill set that's really a great place to get started online. And as Courtney's shown, you know, build a full business that can support your life. And there's ways to really dip your toe in the water to get started. And there's ways to go full bore like she is. So I encourage you to check her out. Again, that's at academiataffluence.com and CourtneyDanielle.com. And if you want a copy of the transcripts for this episode, you can get those at grablar.com slash 77. Uh, we'll have a nice PDF download you can get there. And we'll also have links to all of the contact information, um, social channels, and that for Courtney as well. So have a great week ahead. I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you great guests, help share information, help you build your online business as an academic. Mm-hmm.